So good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Andy. Lovely to have you here this morning. Um, I'm going to speak briefly now. Um, I'm really excited to get a chance just to talk a wee bit more about what Jesus has done and what he's saying to you this morning, whether you've been a believer for 20, 30 years or whether you've never trusted in Jesus before. I believe this message has got something for you in it. So have you ever lost something that was important to you? Have you ever lost something that was really important to you? When I was 18, I um, did a gap year, because I'm apparently quite posh, and we went over to, um, to Nepal, and I was there, and part of the deal when you're there is you could only get a visa for two months at a time, so every two months I had to go and get it renewed. So normally I was fairly organized, and about a week before I would go, get my passport, and go along. So this, this time it came to the time when I had to go, and I was looking everywhere, and I couldn't find my passport. So I was freaking out. So I was looking around. I was living with this family, and they were the nicest people. And then suddenly, you're like, you've looked everywhere, and you're like, did they sneak into my room and steal my password? All these horrible thoughts are coming through. You're like, oh, what happened with it? And then you're like, did I take it out? Where did it go? But I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So, um, so then I was like, okay, well, it's actually lost. I'm going to have to go and get a new one. So this meant going on to the British Embassy. And I had to sit down with a lady there. And she said, oh, so what happened? You're like, I don't know. I can't find it. And then went through the whole thing. And she said, that's fine. What city did you get your passport from? And I was like, I don't know. I sent it in the post. And I was, I don't know, Glasgow? I don't know. Anyway, so then she was like, that's fine. Come back in a few days. We'll have your passport. And I was like, that's okay. My visa runs out. Just the day, the day after that, it'll all be okay. So I'll go back. And they say, I'm sorry. Your passport's not here yet. Um, it turns out it wasn't issued in Glasgow. It was issued in Portsmouth, which, not that that makes any difference to me, but I was like, oh, no. So I wasn't sure what, what I could do. And she said, you'll have to come back in a week. And I was like, but I'm going to be living here illegally. And she was like, oh, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So, like, <laughs> so that was fine. I was 18. So, um, so that was fine. I went back, um, went back the following week and got my passport, and that was fine. So then I was like, okay, I better go along and get my visa. So I go along, and the guy in the counter says, your visa expired last week. And I was like, oh, I know, but I've got this whole thing, and here's my form to say I had lost my passport. And I'm like, no, we don't care. And I was like, I beg your pardon? And he's like, no, you're living in our country illegally. Um, here's the potential punishments for you. £100,000 fine, six years in prison, all this stuff. So obviously I was freaking out. That's when this guy comes over, and he's like, you know... For 500 quid, I can get this go away. (laughs) So I wasn't quite sure what to do, um, but I thought probably engaging in bribery was not the best way out of this situation, so I left it. Eventually, I had to go and um, meet with the... Um, the Minister for Immigration, um, and he had a meeting with me, and I had to sit down, and he said, so why were you living in our country illegally? So I had to explain myself. Um, anyway, he was a very nice man. He gave me a 600 rupee fine, which is about five pounds, so it wasn't too bad in the end, and um, I got my visa. A couple of weeks later, I went to the library, and then I was going in, and um, they said, oh, by the way, you left your passport here. And I was like... What? What? So it turned out what happened was I was reading a book in bed quite late at night, and I think it was The Life of Pi, and I got to a bit, and I was like, I need to keep my place. I'll use my passport <laughs> and put it in. Never got quite around to finishing the book and handed it back in. So, top tip, don't use your passport as a bookmark. <laughs> if you don't take anything away today... Um, so, I'm going to tell a story about uh, that Jesus told about losing something, which is important. It's in Luke chapter 15, and it's verses 1 to 7. So, if you want to um, read along with me. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. 
So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. So I'm just going to have a look at these verses together, and I really think God's going to speak to us through them. If we look at verses 1 and 2, first of all, it says that there was tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus. So Jesus was beginning to get a real name for himself. People knew who he was around the country. And tax collectors and sinners were people, it's kind of a catch-all term that Luke's using here, but it was basically bad people, not respectable, looked down on in society. These people found Jesus very attractive. They'd heard about him. They were really interested to find out more. There was something about him they really liked. And so there's this other group of people, the Pharisees and the scribes. So in that culture, these were the people who were, who were good. They had it all together. They did everything that they were supposed to do. All that their culture said was a good thing to do, they did. They had all the right friends. They had all the right attitudes. They had all the right opinions about everything. Everyone thought that these people were those who were in the right. But they were miserable. They looked at Jesus and they couldn't stand him. And they started to moan and talk against him. Why was there such different reactions? Why is it that some people, when Jesus speaks, respond with joy and interest, and other people respond angrily and mockingly? And Jesus told this parable to tell us a little bit more. So, verses 3 and 4, he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? So it's quite a simple story, really. So imagine there's a shepherd, and he's been given the job of looking after a hundred sheep. So as you would do every now and then, you probably count them just to make sure they're all there, and he's counting, and there's one missing. Checks again, definitely one missing. He decides that he needs to leave the 99 sheep behind and go out and look for the other one. Now, there's a few points that are really helpful for us to know to make the story make sense to us. First thing is that sheep are very valuable and were extremely valuable back in that time. Each one was individually worth a lot of money. The shepherd didn't own the sheep, but he was actually paid to look after them. So if one was lost, he was in a situation that he had to pay for the sheep out of his own pocket. Or alternatively, he could produce a body and say, well, it was killed by a wild animal. But he was in this difficult predicament. So either he's going to have to go to his boss and say, I'm sorry, I didn't do my job particularly well and I lost one of your sheep and I'm going to have to pay for it out of my own pocket. Or I didn't do my job particularly well and a wild animal got one of the sheep. So you can see that he's in this this position of like, oh, this is a real pickle. And actually for him, he decides it's worth his while to go out and look for the sheep. The other thing to know about sheep is they're very vulnerable. Sheep need a lot of care and attention. And more than other animals, more than other livestock, they can't survive that long if they wander off and get into danger. And in essence, this sheep was doomed if the shepherd didn't go to rescue it. So the shepherd is under a lot of pressure to try and find it. 
Shepherds in that time didn't have a great reputation. They were known for cheating and allowing their sheep to wander off into other people's fields, uh, wander off with a kind of watchful eye over it. And it was a common image of the time to represent the leaders of the country as shepherds. Now, God was very clear that he got angry when leaders treated their people badly. And so Jesus is actually subtly having a go at the Pharisees here. They were seen as the leaders. They were seen as the people who were respectable. And Jesus is starting to tell this story against them. So there's this tension there as he's talking. And then verses 5 to 7, we get the end of the story. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So he finds the sheep. It's a great end to the story. He lifts it up and he carries it on his back and he walks back to, to the flock. You can just imagine this guy being absolutely terrified. Can you imagine if you had to go to your boss and explain that you'd just done something really stupid, cost your company a lot of money, and you're probably going to have to pay for it yourself? Or if you didn't have to pay for it, there's a good chance you'd lose your job because he's like, well, you were no good. So he's got this sheep and he's walking along and he's just so happy. He's singing. He's just delighted that he's got this sheep. And he gets back and then he says to his friends, look, I found it. It's so good. I was so worried to have to pay all this money or have this awkward conversation. Let's go for drinks. Let's chat. Let's, let's just celebrate together. I'm so, I'm so excited. So that's what the parable means on its, on its kind of superficial level. But Jesus always told parables with a deeper meaning behind them. So what's the deeper meaning behind this one? Firstly, we are sheep says in the Old Testament, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And just like the sheep in the story, we are very valuable. As a sheep, you're a very valuable person. You're great worth to the shepherd. And it's not because of what you've done or what you could do, but rather because of who you are. Just as the sheep was actually pretty stupid wandering off, it didn't affect its value at all. It was worth real time and real effort for the shepherd to go and come and find the sheep. And in the same way, it's worth the time and effort for Jesus to come and find us when we're lost. We can easily be separated from where we're supposed to be. We often want to find our own paths in life. We look out and we think, well, I think I want to do this and I want to go here and I want to see these people. I want to live this life. But actually, we can very easily get lost. There are bad shepherds out there as well. There are messages that promise a lot, promise a lot of joy, promise a lot of peace, promise a lot of excitement, but actually deliver little. And we can't find our way back. Like the sheep, we're lost without our way to get back. But we do try when we're lost, we just want to feel good again. We want to feel that peace again. Lots of people try and do good things, have the right opinions, think the right things, say the right things, have the right friends, be kind and nice, and all these good things. But no matter what we do, it's never enough. We can't find our way back on our own. The truth is, people are lost. Some realize it, some don't. But we're all lost Sheep without a shepherd wandered away, and we can't find our way back. We're completely stuck. 
And like the sheep in the story, we face a terrible future if we aren't rescued. There's good news, though. We have a good shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd in the story. He genuinely cares for his sheep. He genuinely cares for you. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus sees that people are lost, and he wants to rescue them. In the end, he lays down his life to save his people. So it's actually great news. We're, we're lost, and there's no way we can find our way back on our own. We've gone our own way. We've left him behind. But the shepherd has come to look. The shepherd is here this morning looking for his lost sheep. And like the shepherd in the story, whenever Jesus finds a sheep, he lifts it up, carries it on his shoulders. So this is a metaphor for Jesus taking the weight of our life. When we trust in him, we no longer have to suffer in the same way as we did before. There's still difficulties in life, but we know that actually there's a deeper power propelling us through. Jesus carries us. If you are a a person this morning who's trusted in him in the past, Jesus carries you. He directs, he guides, and whenever we allow him to carry us, we're allowing him to take control of our lives. We trust that Jesus will see us through. We don't need to keep working to please him. It's not about what you do, but it's about who's carrying you. And like the shepherd in the story, Jesus doesn't fill up, pick up the sheep and be like, you stupid sheep, what were you doing? He doesn't berate it. He doesn't tell it off. He doesn't make it feel bad. He's just filled with joy. He's so happy to have the sheep back. He's so happy that he is able to bring the sheep back to the place it should be. He doesn't, doesn't berate, doesn't make you feel stupid, but he lovingly does what you can't do for yourself. And so at the end of the story, Jesus talks a little bit about a deeper spiritual meaning. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus identifies the sheep as representing what he calls a sinner. So this goes to a real kind of core part of our identity, who we are. Our culture is often saying to us, isn't it, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, find out who you really are. But there's a deeper truth about who you are. You are loved by God. In a sense, you're owned by him. The Bible says he formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, he formed you, he knew you. And he has a plan for your life. It says in the Bible that everyone has turned away from God. We've all taken our own paths. The Bible calls this sin. We often think in terms of there's good people and there's bad people in the world. But the Bible says that everyone is a sinner. It essentially says that we're all bad. It says, they've all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So really, we're all lost. We look around and we think, though, there has to be a better way than this. We're not happy with the world as we see it. There's so much that's just, just so messed up. You're reading the news and seeing things online, and you're just like, this is not right. And our culture doesn't think it's right either. We all know, we have the sense of this is just wrong. There's so much wrong in the world. And we keep on trying to fix it, and it just doesn't work. 
There's so much wrong around us, and then there's also so much wrong in us. We try ourselves to be better, and we keep failing. We're sheep looking for a way home, but we can't get there. We need a savior. We need someone to carry us home. We can fight and not be carried, or we can say, Jesus, I just can't do this anymore. I'm not even going to try anymore, but I'm going to trust that you can do what I can't. This is what the Bible calls repentance. Jesus, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to try anymore, but listen to you instead and trust that you can do what I can't. The Pharisees hated this. They worked really, really hard. They tried to do the right thing. They thought that they'd done it. They thought that they were good. This meant that they grumbled. They didn't trust Jesus. In verse 7, it says, 99 people who need no repentance. This is a tongue-in-cheek statement. We all need to repent. We all need to say we can't do it on our own. We all need to say that we need Jesus. Some just don't realize it. And that, that life, that trajectory ends in misery. Many people still feel this way. I'm a good person. I'm basically good. I do lots of good things. I do my best and I try. I don't need Jesus. You're still a lost sheep. You just don't realize it. Repentance says, I need Jesus. I can't do this on my own. Now, this isn't just something which is for new believers, people who've never trusted in God before. This is for all of us this morning. Not just at the start of the Christian walk, but long-term believers. You might have been a believer for 50 years. You still are carried by Jesus. It's his grace that gives you strength to live the Christian life. It's his spirit within you that helps you to continue loving him. He takes the weight of what happens in your life. He leads the way for you. He carries you. And he still feels joy over you today. If you are letting him carry you, if you are just saying, Jesus, I trust you. I, I want you to guide me. I want you to show me what you want me to do. He feels such joy over that. Are you happy to be carried? Would you rather go your own way again? Jesus directs you and shows you the way to go. For me, I've been a Christian for years. And sometimes I do get tempted to do things on my own. Sometimes I think, I get reminded of how I keep on failing and how I mess up. And I just want to do good things to make myself feel better. And then also you get tempted to do things that Jesus is clear that he doesn't want me to do. I still need to remember that I have the ability to wander off on my own. I still need my saviour to carry me. I am a sheep. He carries me. I submit and follow, but it's Jesus who leads my life. It's Jesus who shows me the way home. We don't graduate from this message. I couldn't find my way before I became a Christian, and I still can't. I need Jesus. As a church, we're a group of people who together submit to Jesus, saying that he knows the way better than us. I'm going to ask the band to come up just now. We're going to um, have our final song shortly. But this morning, there's an invitation for you to follow him and for him to carry you. Now, for some of you, this might be for the first time. Maybe this morning you're realizing that you're lost and you need a savior to carry you home. You need to turn back from the life that you're living, no longer do your own thing, going your own way, but rather say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Maybe you previously made a commitment years ago, but now realize you've gone your own way again. Jesus is here. He wants you to submit to him again. And maybe you're a faithful Christian who's following God and you're involved in church and you love people. Remember that Jesus is still your shepherd. He knows the way. 
He will carry you. He takes your stresses, your fears, your hopes, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Together we submit to him and we follow his leadership. We say he's God, he carries and leads us, and we follow him.